everybody. This is a special edition episode of the Running Rogue podcast. I've got special guest and track and field expert Jojo Gretchel with me on the show. Joining me for this preview of the U.S. Champs, which is coming up starting tomorrow night. We will be talking about the events in the order of the finals as we typically do. And Jojo and I will be giving our predictions on all of the events from 800 and above. So we've got predictions for for five events across men and women, 10 total groupings of predictions. How are you doing today, Jojo? Uh, I'm good. Better now that I've met your dog. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, I think Jasmine <laughs> is ready to make some predictions for USA's. Yes, we're actually recording at my house today. And Jasmine, my golden doodle, has settled in comfortably there <laughs> with you. We won't be getting her predictions, <laughs> but I'm, I have a feeling you will be aided by her TLC that she's giving you right now. I think so. I needed a little a little pick-me-up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, how exciting is it that we're finally in a, a world's year again? I feel yes. like 2018 stretched on pretty long. Uh, wasn't quite as exciting to go through the whole U.S. championships thing. Uh, so it's definitely fun to gear up with something big on the line for these athletes this weekend. Yeah, so world championship berth is at stake in Doha in October. And so we'll be breaking down all of the events, giving predictions, also talking about what it means to make a team in each of the events because we have more athletes competing than those who have the world standard. So in order to make the world championships, as is typical, the athletes have to finish top three and also have the world championship time standard. In all events, we have at least three athletes with the standard. But in the 10Ks in particular, there's only three to four athletes, both in the men's and women's races that have the standard. So the actual fight for the world team will be a little bit anticlimactic in those events. But beyond that, it's pretty good because you have fairly deep fields with athletes who have the standards in the other events. So we'll be breaking all of that down. Before we get into the 10Ks, which are the first events happening on Thursday night, I wanted to quickly give you info on how to watch the U.S. champs. Again, they start tomorrow night, Thursday, run through Sunday. All of the coverage will be on NBC outlets. So you'll have NBC Sports Gold covering the Thursday events and then a combination of NBC Sports Gold, NBCSN, and NBC the main network covering the rest of the weekend, depending on the evening. I would encourage you to check out the schedule that is posted at letsrun.com from our friends over there who do a great job both with previews as well as giving you all the info on what to expect and when. So they have a little schedule button at the top of their homepage that you can click on to see when everything is going down. We'll be doing these previews in the orders of the finals, though so that at least you get some sense for when these things are happening. Most of the big action on Saturday and Sunday is actually going to be live on NBC, the main network. So that's exciting. So you'll be able to watch. The athletes will be competing at Drake Stadium in Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines is often a host for U.S. championships. So this is not their first rodeo in hosting an event like this. What do you think about Drake? I've never actually been there. Have you been to Drake for uh, with Flowtrack? Yeah. Yeah. It What's was it there. like as a venue? It's a nice venue. Uh, I mean, I feel like we kind of compare everything to Hayward Field. Uh, 
you know, it's no Hayward Field, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it also is a historic, a historic venue in its own right. Uh, I mean, pretty much anybody who's anybody in track and field in the United States has been to the Drake Relays uh, or has been to a U.S. Championships there. And they have, um, you know, as many posters and famous names on the wall that you could think of. So in that way, it does feel pretty exciting to go there. Um, I mean, it climate-wise, I think Des Moines is pretty hot usually. Uh, so that's going to be something. Uh, actually, I should look that up right now. Could be warm, yeah. While you're while like you're looking up the weather, that is fairly typical of Des Moines, especially in the middle of the summer. Whereas Eugene, you might get some cooler days. Where Hayward is, Des Moines going to be pretty hot, which. Most of the time, the sprinters prefer that, so it'll be good at least for the for the short and fast events. The distance runners may be less less excited, but most of the distance events, at least the long ones, occur late in the evening, with the 10Ks going off at 8:50 and about 9:30. So well after the sun has gone down, it and it will be potentially cooler. So we'll check that forecast, but yeah, so it looks like it'll be low of. 68 69 degrees uh you know by the time those 10ks are going off that's not bad it's not bad yeah i mean we're saying that as texans who (laughs) are running in you know 90 plus degree weather every day uh but it is something to consider when you think about how few people have the standard in the 10k and whether anyone might be able to run the standard on that day it just makes a lot harder yes so we shall see but i think i mean we're benefiting from this cool front kind of hitting the central u.s right now we've got temperatures slated to be in the er, in the high 60s tomorrow morning which for a july day is pretty much unheard of i think we're actually going to set a record low tomorrow morning yeah for a summer day so that it seems maybe they'll be getting the benefit of that same cool front coming down through central u.s so with that, let's let's jump in and talk about and we and by the way, we will also be doing our standard prediction contest. So you and I will be competing on points as a reminder how we score that. We we pick one, two, three, and you get a point for having an athlete correctly on the podium with the incorrect place. And you get another point if you have that athlete both on the podium and in the correct place. So six total possible points per event, sixty total across all ten grouping so we'll be competing and trash talking via <laughs> direct message through the weekend let's jump into the women's race goes off on thursday night tomorrow night eight fifty central time again taking that into the evening hopefully catch some of those cooler temps this is the event that has the fewest athletes with the world standard in it world standard being 3150 and really not too many people in the field have actually run that time. And so there maybe is some debate about whether that's possible in cooler temps tomorrow night. But I think in general, it's hard for that to happen in championship style racing because you don't have rabbits, you don't have pacers. And so you have to have some sort of committed effort from a, an athlete or a group of athletes to try to go after that standard, which is, which is hard to do. And so I wanted to highlight the... The big players in the field initially, and you've got really three big names to talk about. Molly Huddle, of course. Death taxes and Molly Huddle when it comes to <laughs> U.S. championships. Her teammate, Emily Sisson, and Muriel Hall are the three athletes 
Maryall being from the Bowerman Track Club. Those are the three athletes that have the standard. You have another tier of athletes below that that could potentially make some noise, which is Stephanie Bruce, Kellen Taylor, as a couple of other athletes with, right. with I think, uh, big I names. Mean, Sarah Pagano and Elena Tab both ran 31.51, one second off that world standard at Peyton Jordan, which it's so close that you got to think there's a chance that they just kind of go for it on the night. But again, it's sort of a totally different race. We don't have rabbits and it's a championship style. Um, but they're also, their names maybe we don't really talk about as much, but they are right there in terms of PR. Yes. Both athletes run for the BAA. Those two athletes run for the BAA. Actually, Sarah used to run for BAA, and I just double-checked this. Uh, she joined the Mission AC, which is the one in California. Oh, With okay. the former BAA coach, Terrence Moved Mann. over. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she he, Terrence moved back to Southern California, right? Interesting. Didn't know about that shift. So you've got... The three players with the standard, Sisson, Huddle, Hull, then another tier of athletes, Bruce, Kellen, Taylor, Tab, and Pagano, who could potentially vie for the standard but don't yet have it. So we'll start with you. What do you think? First, just a question. Will somebody or a group of athletes go for the standard and push the pace early? I would think that you know, Pagano and Tab, they're former teammates, so they, they obviously know each other, probably talk. I, I just think the two of them running a, running so close, uh, you know, they must know it's possible to break 3150, and I would think, why not go for it? Um, so I do kind of think that they might go out there and see if anyone runs with them. And, you know, I don't see Molly Huddle and Emily Sisson staying back <laughs> i think <laughs> if if one of them you know starts to push it then then the field is there i mean the question is do you want to be the one leading the field for an entire 10k well your point about the team tactics is an interesting one because you also have stephanie bruce kellen taylor and danielle shanahan who run with right. hoka and az elite that are close to the standard and could potentially team up with that group and get a little bit of a rotation at the front trying to hammer out the paces to run that 3150. So I do think it is feasible. I think the question is, are they motivated to or not? You know, so for example, is an athlete like Stephanie Bruce concerned about going to Worlds? Well, we know she's not because she's running Chicago, right? So that's one athlete that's kind of outside the mix or that doesn't necessarily have incentive to help press the pace. Kellen Taylor, she's a marathoner, probably focused on the trials. I don't think making a world team in the 10K is really something that's on top of her list. At this point, since she's gearing up for next February. So to me, that kind of takes the NAZ Elite crew out of the mix for right. having motivation to push a fast pace. And so then it's down to Pagano and Tab, and can the two of them work together? I do think Huddle and Sisson will certainly match or go with anybody who takes the pace out hard, but I don't see them doing any work. You know, the two of them, I would think, even though Huddle has a 
history of pushing the pace and leading from the front and sometimes driving hard from the beginning. At this point, I don't think she's motivated to do that coming off London and perhaps just wanting to take advantage of her kick. So to me, it does come down to those two athletes that you mentioned, Pagano and Tab. Will they push it? Will they go for it? And can they, the two of them, do it, so to speak, on their own? Right. I mean, that's an interesting point to make about the NAZ elite athletes because I sort of, I sort of feel like you know why why would they go if they're not going to try? Well, I think they want to get top three. I think they want to compete, right? I so mean, you're saying they would run more tactically. I think they would run tactically pre- yeah, and follow and just try to get top three. I mean, Stephanie Bruce has a U.S. title in the 10K on the roads. I think she but those are also the two marathoners where their best chance to get top three would be a grind. To push, yeah, <laughs> this is true. This is true. But Bruce has done well under a lot of different styles of tactics on the track. So I'm just saying if somebody else is going, they're going to be happy about it, but they're not going to do any work because they don't need the standard. Right now between do you see Sisson breaking huddles? Uh, championship record on the track well that's getting to predictions so let's let's jump into that right who will win this race and for me i've got molly huddle taking the the victory really yeah mainly because it's molly huddle and i don't we don't know how she has done coming off of the the london quote-unquote disappointment where she didn't have the race that she wanted there but it's molly huddle and i we know that sisson has dealt with something we don't know exactly what her form is either but she skipped out on the mini 10k in new york which she was she was slated to run coming back from london it's hard to come back from a marathon this is her first real experience well her first experience doing that so I'm just banking on, you know, I think if this race was in two months, I think Sisson wins. But I'm banking on the fact that maybe she hasn't bounced back fully yet from London and Huddle has more and she has the experience of being Molly Huddle. So I like Huddle for the win. Then I'm going to go Hall actually for second Sisson for third in this one. Really? Because you, cause you think Sisson yeah, is hurt? I'm just not certain. I'm not saying that she was hurt, but obviously she made a decision not to race the mini yeah, 10K. Yeah, see, I didn't realize that. She's that bouncing gonna... back, so we just don't know what, she's, what we're going to get from her. I mean, if she's on form, then she can win this thing for sure. But I'm banging on the fact that maybe she's not fully back in track shape coming back from London, and I like her for third in this race. I'm going to pick Sisson to win. I'm not going to make too much of backing out of that road race. I think she probably just realized she wants to shift priorities more to the track, getting ready for USAs. And I mean, she wants to make the world team. So yeah, I see her continuing her very dominant, impressive 2019, uh, huddle getting second and hall getting third. Um, so we've yeah, got it's the hard to same. Get, it's hard to bet against those top three, but I'm going to yeah. put Sis in for number one. And Hall has shown form. She ran low 15s in the 5K earlier this year. They've been at altitude training in Park Cities with the Bowerman Track Club. I just, I'm banking on 
actually Hall being maybe in the best shape to run this race now because she's been gearing her year towards it versus Huddle and Sisson who have not. But you've got Huddle's experience and overall dominance and just probably she's a more talented athlete. So I think that takes the win. Hall, Hall second, Sisson third. So we have the same three making the world team, the three with the standard in a different order, which will be which will be interesting. It'll be interesting. Uh, so the men's 10K, yep. if we want to jump ahead Let's go there, there. Uh, is sort of similar where we... We I guess we have one more name in contention than the women. There's four guys who technically have the standard. Uh, Lopez Lamong has the standard as the NACAC champion. He also he's also the defending champion from USA's last year, which, by the way, was just very cool to see. You know, a former 1500 champion move up and win the 10K, especially because he had been kind of on and off in previous years. Yep. Um. So our other guys who we're gonna look at are Kiribul. Irasa, Leonard Career, and Shadrach Kipchircher. Those three athletes being from the Colorado Springs group. Trains with U.S. Army, Scott Simmons. Right. So talk about team so tactics. Potential I team mean, tactics there. Do they for work sure. together to, to try and leave Lopez the man out? Or is he too strong? Um, I mean, I kind of see him being stronger than the other guys. Yeah, you know, to me it's interesting because we also really don't know where his form is, Lamong's form, that is. And if you look at the qualifying marks, Lopez is actually pretty well down the list. I mean, I I haven't verified this. I haven't gone back to look, but I don't think he's run a 10K on the track since he won last year. Uh, no, he hasn't. So, <laughs> so that's really... Well, no, no. Well, he won NACAC. Okay, yeah, okay. But that was like five people. I mean, yeah, it wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't... Right. It wasn't a competitive 10K. So, he hasn't really competed in a 10K since last summer. You know, and I, I also think there's some other athletes to look at that could just mix things up. Garrett Heath being one of them from Brooks Beast. I think you might see something interesting from the 10-man elite athletes that are in this field, Connor Winter and Reed Fisher, that always like to do crazy things and mix things up, especially in coordination with each other. So I'm just, I'm really kind of fascinated by this field. <laughs> well, Reed, Reed Fisher, he's the one who had a really big uh, performance last year at USA's in the 10K if I'm yeah. remembering this correctly. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, he was, he was he in the mix. He ended up getting fourth. He was yeah. in the mix till the end. He made a really big move. Yeah, yeah. and he just that. didn't have the kick. So so to me, that's what's going to be interesting about this race is what happens at the front, who's willing to go for that standard. Again, we only have four athletes with the standard. So, you know, so it opens up the question of, you know, will there be a coordinated effort to try to run the standard? You know, in this event, I really don't, you know, there might be a coordinated effort, but I don't see it happening that they would be able to achieve the standard in this race. So it's going to come down to those four players for the top three that make the team. 
But I also think it's possible that there's someone on the podium without the standard who doesn't make the team. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's more possible in this event than it is the women's event. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, uh, I mean, the the time to beat would be 2740, which, I mean, one of the guys who we just mentioned as being kind of in the next group, Reed Fisher, his PR is a whole minute slower than that. So it's just hard to see. um, So he's not going to run that. Right. Yeah, probably not. Although, who knows what Tin Man's cooking up in Boulder. (laughs) The Tin um, Man Elite crew is definitely cooking something up. And I could see them doing something in coordination, but I don't see them running the standard. I mean, usually Shadrach Kirpchircher would be, um, I mean, he's a good, I mean, honestly, he could win the whole thing, right? Uh, Completely agree with that, but he hasn't really shown form yet this year. Neither has Leonard Career. You know, their teammate, Ross, has actually shown the best form in right. the field. But he's the least But he's the least experienced, <laughs> yeah. So it's this is probably, to me, the most wide-open race in the whole uh, for the whole weekend. Yeah. Well, I think, like, on one level, yes. I think on the other level, Scott Simmons is preparing these guys for an October World Championship. So the fact that maybe they haven't put out anything super impressive yet is I wouldn't be that worried about. Agree. But it still doesn't know what to still we still don't know what we're going to get from them now. Right. right. Because, yeah, if they're preparing for October, are they going to be sharp enough now to do what they need to do? So I gave my predictions first last time. I'm going to ask you to give your predictions first this time. Let's what do you see. think? Well, <laughs> it's hard to pick for number one part. So. Mm, I put Lomong for number one to repeat. Okay. You know, I, I think that could happen again because I think it could be similar. I mean, I don't think it's going to be that fast. I think he's got really good closing speed. Right. So I'll stick with Lomong. I think Kip Churcher has proven time and time again. He's, you know, one of the top guys in the 10K. So he's going to take that second spot. And then I'm going to go with Arasa to make his first world team. Interesting. I like it, but I've got a different three. Or not a different three, but a different set of picks or a different order at least. I'm worried about LeMong being able to show up and win again, to be honest, to even make the podium. So I actually tend to believe in the three athletes from Colorado Springs more than him. Okay. For whatever reason, you know, because LeMong has shown a struggle with consistency through the years, right? Mm-hmm. The ability to, to repeat performances. Right. And last year is like the least pressured U.S. final to win because there's right. nothing to qualify for. Right. Now, that being said, career in Kipchishire, we don't really know what we're getting. But still, my money's on those three, the three Simmons athletes. So I'm going to actually pick Arasa to get the surprise victory. Oh. Because, yeah, maybe the experience is there, isn't there, but he's shown better form than the other two. Career's been all over the place. So I'm going to actually put him up for the surprise win. I'm going to go with Kip to cheer for the second spot because he seems to have shown a little better form than Career of late. And I'm picking Career for third on the backs of his experience winning this event a couple years ago. 
and the fact that I think those three as a team will be able to coordinate and push it over the line. So I'm going for the Scott Simon sweep in the men's 10K. Well, it's a bold choice. Yeah. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. Like I, I kind of hesitated to, p- <laughs> this one was kind of hard to pick. Yeah. yeah. Th- but this one is wide open. So stay up late tomorrow night, nine thirty <laughs> will be the start for this one and see all the fireworks. Cause I also think, you know, it's also possible that somebody like Garrett, Re- Garrett Heath could squeeze on the podium, even though he won't make the world team, but that could create some interesting dynamics in the closing laps of this one. So there you go. That's the 10K. Again, we're doing these in order by when the finals are. So next will be the women's 1500, which is our first event that will have rounds. And what day is the final for that? So the final for that is on Saturday. Saturday. So Saturday afternoon. So we go from Thursday to then skipping ahead to Saturday. The 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 big final on Friday is the 100 meters. So if you want to tune in on Friday, you'll be watching the sprints. So Our, uh, our tiebreaker for this contest should be the 100 meters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, picking the 100-meter champ. Okay, so, so for the 1500, we've got two rounds. Prelims will be Thursday. So if you want to tune in early on NBC Sports Gold before the 10K, you can, you can watch that. And then Saturday at 3:42 central 4:42 eastern will be your final you have a good number of athletes with the standard which is 406.50 so basically your top three is going to have the world standard no matter what and you know all of your your key players will be there one of the big questions for this of Vince is is Kate Grace racing? Is she racing the fifteen? Is she racing the eight? She's currently signed up for both. Right. She can't double because they're they're too close together. But which one will she pick? And we don't know yet. I think if she, I think she should do the eight hundred. I think she has a better chance to make the eight hundred team. Uh, there's, I mean, if you look at you know the people at the standard, there's way more who have the fifteen hundred standard than the eight hundred standard. Right. Um, so if I was her, that's what I would do. I would too, and I think if I were per, if I were guessing or predicting, I think she will take the eight because I think to me this is a a year where Kate Grace wants to build confidence again, get back on top again in something. The chips are stacked against you when you're in an event with Shelby Houlihan and Jenny Simpson, so. I think she'll pick the eight as well. It's how she, it's what she ran at the Olympics in 2016, where she made the final. And so I agree. So my assumption is that Kate Grace will not be in this 1500 meter final because she's going to be racing the eight. So that's how I made my picks. This one is sort of a a question mark of who will get third. In my opinion, you've got the two favorites, Shelby Houlihan and Jenny Simpson, who are the prohibitive favorites for one two. And then after that, you've got pretty wide open battle for that right. third spot. Yeah. Uh, the other women with the standard, which is 406.5, uh, are Alexa Ephraimson, Helen Schlachtenhofen, Nikki Hiltz, Corey McGee, Katie Mackey, Sinclair Johnson, Heather McLean, and Shannon Osika. 
Um, I think I, I, I pick Hiltz for that third spot. Um, I, she hasn't lost the only person she's lost to in an 800 or a 1500 slash mile this outdoor season is Costanza Klosterhofen from Germany, who, you know, is one of the world's best runners. So, uh, that's, you know, she's no slouch and she's PR'd, she's blown away her PRs. Um, you know, she's run 402 and, uh, I'm blanking on the 800 time. Uh, but I think she has had a super impressive first year as a pro. Uh, you know, the past two years, she's been second at NCAAs, and this year has really kind of seamlessly jumped up. And I think she's going to be, I think she's going to be our our next world team qualifier. Oh, I and two hundred one. That was the the eight hundred PR. So two hundred one, and so four hundred five. Yeah. So I like. So you're saying Hills for third. Saying Hills for third. Yeah. So then, who do you have? What's your one two? How does that f- play out between Hulan and and Simpson? And and what type of race do you think we'll see? Um, I think I'm I'm picking Hulan, but you know I could see it going either way. But I'm gonna pick Hulan just because. She's younger. She has more momentum. Uh, I think she is the better athlete at this point in their careers. Um, although, I mean, I definitely could see Jenny winning, but I'm going to pick Shelby. Yeah, and she ran 359 earlier this year at the Prefontaine Classic. She did have a little bone stress issue right after indoors, which I guess took her out for a little bit, but it seems like she she got around to... Yeah, I was honestly kind of surprised to see how quickly she rebounded. Yeah, she rebounded quickly, got got back to Prefontaine. So, you know, she's run sub 4.15. She's PR'd in the eight, going sub two for the first time this year. So she's clearly back on form. And if anybody watched that dangerous kick of hers last year yeah. that came out so often, it's hard to pick against her. So... I have to agree with you. I'm going Hulan first. I think if Simpson has a chance, it's probably going to be in the 5K, interestingly. Really? Yeah. So I'm going to say Hulan first, Simpson second. And gosh, I like Hills for third too, to be honest. So <laughs> I'm just going to copy you here. Not that not that I'm copying you. I kind of came to that independently. I yeah. agree. Hills has been on fire. She's been kind of running with a chip on her shoulder this year as somebody who recently came out as a gay athlete and got a lot of blowback I think from that which is crazy and silly in 2019 that that happened but it but I think gave her this fire to want to win and prove people wrong and silence the haters that gives her a reason to run and try to make that third spot and so that's going to be a really compelling story She's been fearless so far, as you say, hasn't lost. So I like Hiltz as well for third. But gosh, you know, if I if I were picking a wild card beyond that, it would be potentially Corey McGee from the Emma Coburn group, trains with Emma's husband, Joe Bossard. 
just because it seems like things have been going well. She's progressing well all season. Seems like they've been really peaking her for this event. And I feel like at some point she's going to pop having that training with that group with with uh, Aisha Pratt and uh, Coburn. And I'm not sure if it's quite yet, but it wouldn't surprise me. I actually, my wild card would probably be Sinclair Johnson, the NCAA champion. Yep. Um, just because, you know, she's, she's young. She just ran super fast. Uh, I believe 402. Uh, so she is one of the faster people in the field. And sometimes you just ride that college momentum and surprise people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the question just is, you know, could she ride it for another month? Sometimes that long collegiate season takes a lot out of you and you don't have much left by this point sometimes you're actually right where you want to be and so that'll be interesting to see i like that wild card pick yeah her uh she's raced only once since ncaa's she did an 800 at azusa set a big pr uh running too flat her pr before that was 204 so uh she's got some speed i mean that could be that could be surprising the other person who I'm interested to see what happens is like Alexa Ephraimson, just because, uh, you know, high school prodigy. And she actually, as much as people like to hate on the high school prodigy thing, she's placed one spot better at USA's every single year. So this year, theoretically, if she continued, she would be getting third. So that's always <laughs> interesting to watch. So too. there you go. Maybe she'll she'll uh, make us both distraught about yeah. our third I mean hey there. it's a 1500 anything could happen anything could happen and I suspect this will be a sit and kick style race just because I think a lot of people are going to yield that top spot to Hulan knowing that she's probably gonna win in a kick right and even and even then, the top two then, spots to and then to let, it, also. let it kind of play out beyond that I was disappointed not to see Rachel Schneider in this field because if she was in this field, I'd pick her for that third spot mm-hmm. after watching her and Monaco crush a big PR and get right. a, what I believe was fifth all time in the mile for the U.S. there. But she's only in the 5K. And I actually have her making the team there as a quick preview. All right, so that's the 1500. Houlihan versus Simpson. Big storyline plus then who can slot in for third of those other women that we talked about. Now let's go to the other Saturday final, which will happen after the women's 15, the men's 3K steeple, which is without Evan Jager for the first time in, this will be seven years. Yeah, he won seven in a row, but is injured, has a foot issue that he's been dealing with all season to this point. And there was some talk that he might be able to make it to USA's, but then was ruled out. I think last week or late the week before. So no Jager, which opens up things for, for I think you tweeted about Andy Bear, who's <laughs> who's been fourth, I don't know how many times. Uh, so that opens up the possibility for a new person to make a team in the men's steeple, which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to feel for Andy Bear. Fourth place in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Uh yeah, it's got to happen for that guy. I had to pick him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, he is one of really the sort of, I feel like there's three guys who are a lot faster than the rest of the field. Yep. Um, 
so the standards 829 uh the hillary bohr stanley kabeni and andy bayer are going to be our big favorites the other guys in the field with the standard are jordan mann mason Furlick, obsa ali and travis mahoney um but those top three are head and shoulders above right hillary bohr probably being the favorite having run low eights in the diamond leagues already this year i saw him in monaco he faded there but still ran pretty fast Stanley Kabeni has been an athlete who has done well in the steeple and I believe was on, I think well, he finished top three last year in this U.S. Champs. And then, of course, Andy Bear, who's been fourth, we don't know how many times, <laughs> missing teams consistently, but dropped out of, I believe it was Rabat mm, in yeah. a Diamond League earlier this year, didn't finish, I think made it through six laps and then pulled off. So we don't know exactly if he's on top of his game or if maybe there was an injury issue there with him. So that could open up things for others if Andy Bear isn't on form. What are your predictions for this one, Jojo? Um, I, I'm choosing to believe that Bear, you know, it's been more than a month since that race. So, uh, you know, hopefully he has resolved whatever, whatever issue that was. Uh, so I... I am picking him to make the team. I think he's going to get third. Uh, Hillary Bohr, I think just head and shoulders, is above everybody else. Stanley Kabeni, I'm going to pick for second, and Bayer for third. It seems almost too easy to go that way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so tempting, though. <laughs> I mean, Bohr, Bohr is by far the favorite. His his PR is his head and shoulders above. By the way, those two athletes, Kabeni and Bohr, both run for Scott Simmons group as well. So, you know, this is another event where his athletes dominate the field. I agree with you, though. You can't really pick against Hillary Bohr. Has shown that he is not only running well, having done well in the Diamond Leagues, but also has the best PR in the field. Kabeni, I think, has to be the pick for second because he's that next athlete in terms of PRs and again has shown recent form and finished on the podium last year beyond that it is really tough really tough for me to pick bear I don't know why that is but I just have this feeling that he's not quite there for whatever reason after stepping off the track at the diamond league so I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to go with Jordan Mann for the fourth spot or the third spot. And I don't know where Bear will finish. I hope it's not fourth because I, because that would be that gut wrenching. That would be gut wrenching. But I'm going to mix it up, pick Jordan Mann for that third spot. Who. Well, I mean, he would be an interesting story, too. Uh, I mean, I remember like he got fifth last year at USA's and was the happiest guy at the entire track meet. Yes. Because <laughs> he wasn't a big name Not out of college. Uh, he went to... Um, yeah, I'm blanking on it. But he, he was... He's a, he competed in the Ivy League. So... Yeah. Oh, I think he went to Brown, actually. Yeah, and then he went to the NACAC race as well. Yeah. He was super excited about that. So... I'm going to go with that storybook ending for Jordan Mann making a world team. That would be pretty cool. Actually, yes, he was he at Brown. Providence. Oh, he's Providence? And then Brown? 
Maybe he transferred. Yeah, he ended up at Brown. Okay. Oh, I but see. yeah, it's it might just be a different one. he's a bl- he's a blue collar, yeah. blue collar He's athlete. easy to root for. Blue collar from the Ivy. He'll definitely have another like <laughs> yeah. viral type interview <laughs> yeah. if he makes the team. Yes. So that's my pick. So and he's got an eight twenty eight twenty six PR. So it's not quite what Andy Bear is, but I'm counting on Bear being a little bit off his game. All right, so then we go to everything else, which is on Sunday. Sunday afternoon on NBC. So all the other finals, you get six finals on NBC on Sunday. The nec- the first one on Sunday being the women's steeple, which is also very top-heavy with Emma Coburn, Courtney Ferricks. This one's almost not fun to Colleen Quigley. It's like, okay. But there's a twist, which is that four athletes get to go because Emma Coburn's a world champion. So she gets the automatic buy and the U.S. gets to take three more athletes. So that does at least open up this question of who could be that fourth athlete to make the team, which will be a big deal for whoever that is. So we'll keep it simple, though, to kind of preview. You've got those three major players, Coburn, Quigley, Frerichs. They've been dominant in the steeple, including Emma, who has won, you know, all the U.S. champs that I can remember. Right. She's won seven times. Yeah. So. So going for number eight. But she did lose to Frerichs last year in the Diamond League meet. And so a little. And lost her American record. And lost her American record. So there's a little chink in the Coburn armor. And is this a U.S. champs where Coburn could get beat is probably the biggest question I believe the top three will be Quigley, Frerichs, and Coburn. But will it be in a different order than it has been in the past? Typically, it's been Coburn, Frerichs, Quigley. What do you think? Will that play out that way, or will it Yeah, I wish it mix I up? picked against form, but I honestly think it's going to be Coburn, Frerichs, Quigley because I do think Frerichs is a lot better in the steeplechase than her teammate at Bowerman, Colin Quigley. Um, I mean, she's the American record holder. So I think when we're looking at who's going to win, it's really between Coburn and Freericks. And based on their races so far this season, you know, things could change once we get closer to October. But I think Coburn has shown she's in a lot better form than Freericks is right now. She literally fell down in a steeplechase race and still beat her. (laughs) So I'm going to bet on Emma to get title number eight. Yeah, and Emma's always super consistent throughout the season, regardless of where she is you know i think if one of those other ladies is going to beat her it'll be late in the season potentially at worlds itself so i'm going to go with you and pick the same three coburn frericks quigley but maybe we should make that fourth spot count yeah so let's pick a fourth in this one and give that an extra you know two points potential okay who do you like for fourth so before we pick Let's just say the standard is 940. And so there's really four women right now who we're probably deciding between. So the other women with the standard are Mel Lawrence, Ali Ostrander, the three-time NCAA champion, uh, and then Marissa Howard and Paige Stoner. So uh, I'm going to go with Ali Ostrander uh, because I actually, well, she recently made her... um, big league debut she raced at prefontaine and now i'm trying to remember if she actually beat mel lawrence at that race and she signed with brooks beast uh, so she turned pro as well she, yeah so she just turned in the pro. interim 
So you like Ostrander. I like Ostrander. Yeah, coming I'm off her NCAA title. I can't remember if she beat Mel Lawrence at that race. Sorry, one second. I don't actually know, but I'm picking Mel Lawrence for fourth. Why? Because I'm going to count on the fact that Ostrander, at the end of a long season, as well as all the stress and workload that comes with going pro, picking a sponsor, figuring out a contract, all that stuff is going to catch up to her a little bit. Mel Lawrence has been super consistent, has steadily improved from year to year, has been close before. She's coached by Lauren Fleshman, runs for Wazell. I think it'd be a storybook thing for her to make a world team. So I'm shooting, shooting for Mel Lawrence, and I believe she'll be with more experience and without all the drama of the last month for Ostrander, I think she'll she'll make that team. So Ostrander did beat her by two seconds at Prefontaine. Uh, you know, and then they were basically twenty seconds back of Freericks and Coburn. So yep. you can see how like it's literally gonna be two different races. Yep. Uh I just really disagree with you. I think that Ostrander is a gamer. I think she hasn't really been pushed that much this season. She's so much better than anybody else in the NCAA. Um, and I don't think she's going to approach this with any anxiety over these big decisions that she's made. I think really it'll just free her to, to focus on getting this spot. Well, we shall see, but that will at least allow for some separation in this event for us. Next, we have on tap the men's 5k in order of these finals on Sunday. This one is, I think, pretty predictable at the top. Paul Chilimo versus everybody else. But then it does get pretty interesting for those second and third spots. Right. Yeah, some of the guys who we might usually pick for the spots uh, aren't running. Ryan Hill, Eric Jenkins, these are two guys we've kind of seen in contention the last couple of years. They're not in the race. Um you know, somebody like Grant Fisher doesn't have the standard, so that takes him out of it a little bit unless it's fast. Um, there there are a number of people with the standard, so it's 1322.5. Uh, Paul Chalimo has it. Ben True has it. Kirbal Irasa. Uh, Drew Hunter. Yosef Tasema, Hassan Mead. And Hilary Bohr. Now, I don't think all those people are actually... Uh, doing multiple events hillary board is not running the 5k well he's he's currently registered for or at least he's (laughs) he's on the entry list so we we don't know probably take him but i would say you're probably right we won't see hillary board there i do think we will see arasa though double back from the 10k yeah there's because he'll have uh, he'll have time for that so you will have a couple of athletes in there from from Scott Simmons' crew in Chalimo and Arasa, potentially after Arasa wins the 10K, then that might be interesting to see if he doubles back, although he may choose not to if he already makes the team in that event. Chalimo is going to be far and away your favorite. Ben True, super consistent, always runs low 13s every year, but has only made one U.S. team thus far, and I think in general has underperformed in U.S. championships. Drew Hunter from 10-Man Elite could be really interesting. He's been an aggressive racer so far this year. Hassan Mead has done well, has made teams, has a pretty dynamic kick. 
So I think this one's going to come down to how the race plays out. As it does. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, you know, two types of 5Ks are sort of steady kind of push from the beginning. And is there anybody that will do that in this field? And then a sit and kick race, which typically men's 5Ks and U.S. champs turn out that way. They start slow and then everybody just kind of waits till the end, till the last lap to blow right. things up. I do feel like sometimes Paul Chalimo has been that person where he does like to run hard and string things out. So I think we could potentially see that from him, although he has had, by his standards, like a little bit of an up and down season. Um, So maybe, I mean, he's still like a huge, huge favorite in this field. Um, Yeah, he did that. Was it, I think it was for the trials and was it 2016 or maybe he did it for the champs for world champs in 2017 where he just took off and then just smoked everybody, but they just let him go knowing that he was the class of the field. So the one that I've always wanted to go with, with him or take us, take an early stand is Ben true. Cause I feel like he's not an athlete since he's a little bit older now that can sit and kick with these guys. And Mm -hmm. so he, and you know, the fact that he's run consistently in the low thirteens, he's somebody who could hang with a sustained pace and still do well so if there's an athlete that i want to see go earlier it's been true i think but but he hasn't i mean he's he's played his tactics so poorly (laughs) so you know i think ultimately it is probably going to be a sit and kick race and then it'll be really up for grabs for that third second and third spot so what do you think so chalima for the top spot um, I actually really like, um, uh, this was a hard one too. I'm like looking at my pick and I'm like, uh, should I revise this right now? <laughs> <laughs> so I like, I like Drew Hunter to take one of the spots yeah. and I think he's going to sneak into third. And I was kind of, I've been debating about Mead versus True. Uh, I'm going to go with True just because... You know, he's run 1309 and just, you know, obviously he's in shape and he's been here before, a little more experienced, um, whereas Meade hasn't run as fast this year. So I am going to pick True over him for that second spot. Uh, And then I just like Hunter for the third spot. I feel like, um, you know, he's still only 21. He's super young. He won his first U.S. title indoors this year. Um, I, I just think we're going to see something special out of him. So you've got Chalimo Troop Hunter. Yes. Interesting. Man, I really hope True makes a team, but I just, I don't see it happening. I don't think he, I don't see him taking the initiative to keep the pace honest or to, or to take the pace earlier, you know, to try to burn off the kick of some of these other athletes. So I'm going to also pick Chalimo for the win, but then I'm going to go with, Hunter for second for 10 man's first world team and then Mead for third. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit there from you. And I do think it'll be sit and kick. And I think in a sit and kick, right, kiss sit and kick race other than Chalimo, I actually think Hunter and Mead have your best chance yeah. of those remaining athletes. So, so you see Hunter making a team. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like him for second here. Yeah. You know, I think I, I just feel like those guys, the 10 man crew, they've been doing big things all year. And, 
he's an athlete who has a 1500 meter background. So we know he's, he can sit and kick with the best of them. And I think, you know, he's going to be well motivated to make a world team to try to join his teammate, Sam Parsons at world who hasn't made that team yet, but will most likely make the team for Germany. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm going with. And then Mead, Yeah. He hasn't shown the same form, but we know in a slow race, he knows how to get right. Get in the top three. And it's hard to, I mean, not, you can't read too much into some of these early season performances just because the season is so long this year. Yep. So, all right, so there you go. So we've got some differences there. I, I really do am rooting for Ben True, but I think he's going to screw it up yet again. I think if, if True's going to make this team, he needs to be bold and maybe go early from the beginning with Chalimo potentially or take this race from like 2K out. All right, so that's the men's 5K. We've got four more to cover off on here. Men's 800 is next. This one's got some interesting storylines too, but primarily it's a battle of teammates in Donovan Brazier versus Clayton Murphy, right. who, who seem to be your two favorites for that top spot. And I think you can make an argument for either one to potentially win. You've got maybe the experience of Murphy with the just the raw speed and talent of Brazier who seems to be on form now after transferring to the Oregon project. Yeah. And I, I think, I think he's had a little bit of a better season this year. Uh, he's run one forty three sixty three. He's the fastest guy in the U S this year. Uh, and then he won a diamond league race in Rome, uh, beating Murphy in that race. So I think that he comes in with a little bit of an edge. And then after that, it's seemingly wide open, although the next the next player to talk about would be Bryce Hopple, who we talked yeah. about in our NCAA recap, who has not lost all year, and who's from Kansas, 800-meter champion from NCAA, seems to be that next athlete on form who has the world standard. So really those three players, I would say, are your favorites for the top three. Yeah. And that, that's who I picked for my top three. Yeah. Although there's enough guys with experience in this field where I could see someone else, you know, taking down Hopple because, I mean, Hopple, one thing against him is he does seem like he's raced really hard pretty much since like January or at least since March. Since it's been a long year, yeah. So, you know, hopefully his luck doesn't run out at USA's, but... Um, I mean, the U.S. has some really good 800 guys who maybe have been a little beat up in the past year, but, you know, depending on the situation, could come through. Uh, I mean, Isaiah Harris, we haven't really heard a lot from. Drew Wendell, Eric Sawinski, um, you know, they're guys who have just run really well in the past, and I, I feel like anytime they're in a race, there is a chance that they could take that spot. Yes, Isaiah has made a world team before. So, to me, though, the thing one thing I worry about is Donovan Brazier has tactically <laughs> shown issues in the past, especially in rounds. He always does pretty well in paced affairs, like you would have at a Diamond League, but does dumb things in rounds. And in this case, we've got three 
rounds to mimic what their these athletes will see at Worlds. The prelims are on Thursday, semis are on Friday, the final is on Sunday. And while this field isn't as deep as they're going to face at Worlds, and so the prelims and semis shouldn't be as big a deal, Brazier's screwed up before <laughs> in U.S. Yeah. champs and ended up not in the final and but you're sort of throwing your hands up thinking what the hell Donovan Brazier won the past couple finals he's been in at USA's he's so I I do feel like he that is valid criticism but I think that he's matured from being that athlete that he was at the Olympic trials in 2016 fair enough so you're going Brazier Murphy, Murphy Hopple. Hopple yeah seems like i mean on paper that's the way it plays out yeah. right <laughs> but the 800 is just that's that unpredictable race or you just never know i want to pick against that list because i just have this feeling that either brazier won't make the final because he does something dumb in the semis or hopple will show that you know the long season has finally caught up to him you know I have this feeling like we're not going to see those three yeah. in the top three. And and yet they may still be the ones that make the world team because there's not a ton of athletes with the standard. But you also have Isaiah Harris. You mentioned Eric Sawinski is another experienced athlete. Drew Wendell, who has made a world team in the past, although hasn't been on form recently. Right. You just have these other wild cards, I think, that might end up doing something in the final after three rounds that I mean, would, would be interesting so i just my gut is to pick against that yeah. top three but i don't know it's hard for me to pick where the gap is going right. to be i think if i were to to go with my gut now would be that if one of those isn't going to be there it'd be hopple because of the long season right and because you know the chaos of third place in an 800 can sometimes be be interesting so I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go with Murphy for number one because tactically I think he's a better athlete than Brazier. Brazier for number two because his talent is undeniable. And then I'm going to pick the experience of Isaiah Harris for that third spot who has shown up for me before in these prediction contests <laughs> when I picked him for that third spot. I don't remember last time it was. I think it may have been two years ago in 2017 when he was still at Penn State. He's been dealing with injuries earlier this year, but I'm going to predict that he gets back on form. He's got the experience to make a podium already at USA. So I'm going to pick Harris for mixing things up for that third spot. Knocking off his heir apparent in a... NCA champ, That's right. Bryce Hopple. That's right. I mean, there is a chance that, I mean, Murphy is double entered in the 8 and the 15, so there's a chance he decides to go with the 15. I think he just does that as insurance in case something goes wrong and around, but... Uh, True. Yeah, it's possible he doesn't show up. We shall see. All right, so that's the men's 8. We've got some some differences there, and then let's go to the women's 5K, which is our next event on Sunday. This one, I think, is also fascinating. To me, it's sort of the battle of the 1,500-meter specialist versus the more pure 5K specialist, and that's going to make this a really interesting affair. 
But your favorites probably are your 1500 meter specialists. If you look at the likes of Simpson, who says she's going to double Houlihan, who will likely double as well. Both of those athletes will be coming back from the 15. And, you know, and then you have Rachel Snyder, who I already mentioned, who ran really fast at Monaco in the mile. You've got potentially Mariel Hall coming back for the 5K. Carissa Schweitzer, her teammate from Bowman Track Club. And this is her first, her first, not her first U.S. champs, but her first U.S. champs as a Bowman Track Club athlete. And, you know, Kim Conley, who has experience, Lauren Packett, Stephanie Bruce, and Kellen Taylor are also entered in this one. Shannon Robry coming back from, from pregnancy, who showed some form recently at the Stumptown. So you're in that all by yourself. That was impressive. Yeah, really impressive. Low, low 15s there at Stumptown in Portland recently. So, but she's coming back from pregnancy and injury, I guess, that, that followed that where she had a stress fracture coming back from pregnancy. So this is going to be interesting. I think it's going to be particularly interesting to see how this race plays out because you have Marial and Carissa, who I think will benefit most from an honest pace. Mm-hmm versus those 1,500-meter athletes like Schneider, Houlihan, Simpson, who are going to benefit from a slower race with a kick finish. So I think that's one storyline to watch is how fast this one goes out will definitely set the tone for who could potentially make make this team. The other interesting fact is that Houlihan and Simpson – have said that they're not going to race the 5k at worlds because can't double there the way the the schedule set up. So potentially the top five matters in this event with that fourth and fifth spot, potentially jumping on the world team as well. If Houlihan and Simpson opt out, which is likely unless of course something crazy happens in the 15, a fall or something like that. So, this one's fascinating to me because it's kind of in some ways wide open, but you also know who your key players are. Clearly Hall, Schweitzer, Houlihan, Simpson, Schneider are the big five, I would say. But how it plays out for top three, I think it depends a little bit on how the race plays out. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I could definitely see, uh, Houlihan and Simpson going one two in this event although I mean (laughs) after a while like picking these events based on people's stats and what it should be (laughs) I know it's that's not what's going to happen (laughs) that's not what's going to happen yeah (laughs) I actually didn't even include uh uh Houlihan and Simpson in my picks because I knew they're not going to worlds um but I guess I we are just going off of top three. Well, I mean, picks. let's. I mean, we can pick all the way to five in this one if you want. Um. I mean, who's gonna win? I think if Shelby is really like back to Shelby, which it seems like she is, I just wouldn't bet against Shelby. So, I think Houlihan one, Simpson two. I could see her doing the double again. Simpson has said she is doubling. So you're going Houlihan. I agree. And I agree with you, by the way, on, on Houlihan for one. I'm not as convinced that Simpson will be two. 
but who uh, who who do you have next? So you got Simpson two. Who's after Simpson that? Simpson two. Uh, then I picked Schneider for number three. Um, mm, yep. I think she has sort of quietly developed into the one of the best women in the country, and choosing the five k over the fifteen hundred. Uh, I think she sort of realized there was more competition maybe in the 1500 for that final spot. Uh, Whereas she has the wheels to contend with those women, but at the end of a 5k, she's going to be more dangerous against this field. Um, Okay. Yeah. So I picked Schneider and then I picked Schweizer. There's a Schweizer. First year pro from Missouri, multiple time NCAA champion. Uh, And then I actually picked Purrier for mm. that f- fifth spot. El Purrier. Although I could see Kim Conley getting it too. Kim Conley, I th- really thought was like done, like very close to retirement. And then she ran that 1505, uh, which was a, she, it was a f- PR from five years ago that she broke. Yep. Uh, and and she's actually made teams before, you know, unlike the three women I just named. So I guess I'm betting it all on these young, the young kids to make it. But I do, yeah, I think Kim, Kim Connolly is going to be up there too. Problem for Connolly is that she doesn't have the same kick that Schneider or Purrier have. Right. And then Schweitzer, I think, is just overall more talented. So... That's the trouble because Perrier has because she was a NCAA mile champion, I think, in 2018. Right. So yeah. she's only run two 5Ks ever, won both of them, you know, has already almost broken 15 minutes. Yep. I mean, this could be a like a sub 15 race. I mean, so if you look at this, your pick. So those five really four of the five are mile specialists. Yeah. And Schweitzer isn't, but has shown aptitude at the 1500. It's pretty interesting that that's the state of, of the 5k for the U S women right now. So I think that's what happens when you have two of the best women in the world in the 1500. Yes. Yes. That's right. They, right. They all move. They all move to the 5k yeah. to, to, to make teams. So, I, I mean, I can I can dig those five. Something tells me that Simpson might get beat here. So I'm actually going to pick Schneider for second because, you know, she just had a big PR in the mile. will be fresher. Right. I think if it comes down to the final 100 meters, I think Schneider might actually have more talent than Simpson at this point because Simpson is getting a little bit older and that really amazing kick is not the same as it used to be. Although she's the, you know, she's the grinder that could probably win if it goes from 800 meters out. Hey, she's broken four this year. Oh no, she's still super fast. So I'm going to pick Schneider second. I'm going to go with Schweitzer actually for third Simpson fourth in a fairly close finish. And then I also like Perrier for fifth as that, as that kicker. Who so you can see Jenny it. Simpson getting out kicked, getting out kicked by that two athletes. Possible. I mean, it does change the whole thing when, 
like Schneider and Schweizer are fresh for the 5K, and she's you know a couple of rounds of the 1500 under yeah. her belt. So. so we'll see. But that's your, I mean, it doesn't really matter for Simpson. I mean, that's more of a strength building thing for her to come back and do that. But we have the same top five, just in a little different order, which will make it interesting. All right, let's go to our final two events, women's eight and then men's 15. Both of these will also be interesting. Uh, you've got for the women's eight, another favorite. And then it's everybody else, right, again. Yeah. So another one of those storylines. So Ajay Wilson, clear favorite in this race, seems to win pretty much everything she does, especially if Castor Semenya is not in the field, just won the Diamond League in Monaco, is both tactically sound as well as the most ta- talented athlete in this field. So it's hard to bet against her. Can we agree on that yeah. one? Oh, yeah, she's... She's like the hula hand of the field, although yes. she doesn't have a, a Simpson chasing her down. Yeah. Right. So Wilson, I think, is your clear favorite to win. And barring some sort of fall or slip up, I think will be your winner. And then second and third are going to be more interesting, especially as you know we discussed, You know, depending on what Kate Grace decides to do, if she decides to run the eight like we're both predicting, then I think that automatically puts her in the conversation to to potentially make this team but your other athletes with the world standard which is two two flat point six oh is are wilson as we mentioned raven rogers hannah green kate grace Ciara brown and laura wrestler it's been a long time since laura wrestler has shown any form brown and grace and rogers though have shown recent form so of those athletes of the of those other athletes who do you like Uh, i think raven rogers is the solid number two to wilson Uh, and it is just interesting to note that they're you know they're training partners together uh, in philadelphia under coach Derek thompson and their other training partner charlene lipsy has been like radio silent this year right so normally the women's eight would be a pretty impenetrable event i feel like with the three of them but with charlene out this year um it does open up another spot because i i really see i think rogers is that next level just behind ajay where she is just better than the rest of the women in the field um but tactically sometimes she's does dumb things too she's kind of to me like the donovan brazier of the women's (laughs) field but losing to a high schooler at indoors exactly so that to me is the potential right. thing to watch with Rogers, but go ahead. Um, so I, I actually like Hannah Green for the third spot. Um, former Virginia Tech athlete now trains with Oregon Track Club. She had never broken two minutes before this year, and she did it at Prefontaine, running one fifty eight, which was a pretty big breakthrough. So I just see her as someone who is finally figuring it out and is going to run fast on the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously running 158 once is different from doing it a couple times. So, I mean, really Kate Grace should probably be favored above her if she ends up doing the eight. But, um, I like, I like the fact that she's done it recently. Uh, Ciara Brown last year was the solid, like number three. Um, this year just hasn't run as fast. 
So I think she ran, she's only run 201 this year and she, you know, hasn't raced in a few weeks. So yeah, that's So what do you think for two and three? Oh, Rogers and Green. Rogers and Green. So Grace doesn't make it, which would be interesting for her. Yeah, I don't, it's hard to know. I'm picking we'll, green for the upset. I mean, yeah, yeah. Grace Which, is no, I don't actually favorite. don't think green is necessarily an upset because yeah. given how well she's run, not just the, the eight but other distances this year, she has so shown to be a good tactical racer. You know, I think she could get second. To be honest, I mean, in in fact, my gut is actually to go with green for second. Yeah, because I don't trust Rogers. She tends to do dumb things tactically, which is odd to me, especially as somebody who trains with Ajay Wilson. And Ajay Wilson is a pretty predictable racer. You know, she usually goes out in similar paces. I mean, her two laps are pretty predictable. So for Rodgers to not be able to just latch onto her teammate and kind of key off of that is just odd to me. Yeah. But we just haven't seen that. And so... I'm going to actually say Rogers is the odd person out. We've got Green for second. And Kate Grace sneaks oh, on wow. the podium to I would be shocked to see that happen. To come back in the eight. <laughs> and then Rogers, for whatever reason, is the odd person out. So that's that's my top three, just to mix things up. And then our last event is the men's 1500. A lot of interesting storylines here. Centro, Matthew Centrowitz is is our he's not the defending champ he got second last year to Robbie Andrews but Robbie Andrews is out of the field because of injury and I think he's dealing with Lyme disease or something like that and but Centrowitz we know has been dealing with injury he was on my podcast earlier this year was in town seeing Dr. Moose getting getting manipulated by the witch doctor and up until recently when he ran Stumptown and won the 1500 meter there in Portland, we didn't really know what we could expect from him, but he had a pretty nice, solid dominating finish there showed that swagger as he typically does at the finish line. So it does seem like he's coming around. He has to compete against his former teammate. Craig Ingalls from the Oregon project is probably that next favorite on the list. And then who else? Who else? on the men's side has a shot uh so the standard is 336 um yeah the guys who have it uh, you just named a couple of them but uh craig angles matthew centritz ben blankenship johnny gregoric clayton murphy who we're probably guessing is not going to be in the 1500 right uh sam prackle henry Wynn, isaac yorks and brandon kidder uh, i think brandon kidder is also double entered in the 800 but so we'll see what he does. Um, also of note, if Centro manages to win, he'd be tying Steve Scott's record for six U.S. 1500 titles, which is pretty cool. Um, I feel like this is a pretty wide open race, though. I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Centro lose before at USA's. And you also have Johnny Gregoric, who has made a, you know, made a U.S. team run really fast, hasn't been on form of late, but you don't know what you're getting from him. Isaac York says run well. Ben Blankenship, who's sort of the salty veteran, who always <laughs> seems to be on podiums. He's always solid, yeah. Always on podiums at USA's. 
And the way these men like to run, which is typically slow and then fast at the end, it could be a waterfall finish with three athletes making it that, you know, we didn't expect. So I think this will be fascinating to me outside the men's 10K. This is probably the next field that is most wide open and is going to make a really fun finish on Sunday as the last distance event. I I think though you have to pick Centro for the win, at least I do, because <laughs> he is not only your most talented athlete in the field, but also your most tactically gifted. Definitely. Seems to run well in any kind of race. Does an amazing job at controlling the field. You know, he does things like goes to the front and slows they th- slows things down and it just is really really smart and I think could win in almost any type of race. Beyond that, you know, Craig Ingalls is probably your next choice on paper, but also hasn't necessarily delivered yet in in U.S. championships. So it's hard for me to pick him, but I'm going to just because I think from a prep from a from a standpoint of fitness and where he is versus the rest of the field, I think he's in a good spot. I think he's also, you know been now with the Oregon project for a while and has had the opportunity to kind of fully develop there. And so I'm going to pick angles for second, just based on, I think he's probably the second fittest athlete or second most talented based on fitness left in the field. The third spot to me is completely wide open. Um, there are people that would say that somebody like Gregoric would naturally fit there because of his experience. I think that's what Let's Run is predicting. But I'm going to go with Ben Blankenship as just that that salty veteran who always seems to get it done. And I think he's hard to bet against making a podium, making a U.S. team, which he's done many times. So I'm going to pick him sneaking on the podium for third. I, I'm kind of picking according to paper. Okay, so what do you got? For this one. So I have... Centrowitz for the win, uh, beating his former teammate Craig Engels for second, yep. and picking Gregoric for third. Uh, All right. Yeah. That is a solid set of choices, but I think most likely it won't play out the way either of us, yeah. the way either of us are predicting, because this one's going to be wide open and it'll be a sit and kick race that will come down to the final probably hundred meters. So this is one that. You know, you want to definitely tune into on NBC late on Sunday afternoon after you've had a nice long brunch with lots of mimosas and you've settled in to watch, <laughs> settled in to watch what is going to be six finals of the distance events on Sunday afternoon. So that's where I will be on Sunday. Post mimosa. <laughs> Not post mimosa. Okay. But, but <laughs> I, like, I would suggest. You're illustrating a very wild Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would suggest others would be post post. <laughs> I will not be because I'll be on, you know, family duty and such keeping, you know, good behavior, but everybody else should be post mimosa. So it's going to be exciting. We've got the world team at stake. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, I guess I would just like to say that watching, I did watch Centro's most recent race uh, at Stumptown and it had that kind of finish that you're talking about where it's all the guys you know, kind of like a waterfall yeah. finish. And I mean, there, there were 10 guys in that one race. One foreign athlete, I don't know his name. Uh, 
he <laughs> he kept he basically pushed Centro into lane three. Like he kept <laughs> drifting over, and you see Centro like looking back, like "What's up, man?" Yeah. And then he like very easily was able to win. But yeah. I mean, you didn't know he was gonna win until the last few meters. But watching that, I was like, "He's fit. He's ready. He's fit. He's, he's, he's ready." And he had yeah. that swagger. I think he yeah. was fist pumping at the end. So. He, and he pulled up a little bit before after he kind of sealed the deal. So Central Centro's on form. He'll be ready to take this. Ingles not quite there yet, but it's going to be awesome. So tune in to all of this. Starts again tomorrow night at 8.50 Central for the women's 10K, 9.30 for the men's 10K. Tune into those. And then Saturday and Sunday for the other middle distance and distance finals. And... We'll be coming back at least with some sort of recap afterwards, whether it be a full episode or a partial episode. I don't know. And we'll be watching all of the the picks and predictions, trash talking with you over the weekend. So that'll be fun. So with that, we'll wrap this special edition episodes, this USA's 2019 preview. Thanks, Jojo, for joining me. And thanks to our listeners, as always, for tuning in. You can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.